Taking sports to another level. Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Exploring the latest headlines and going behind the scenes with in-depth interviews. Hearing personal stories and the impact of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. What time is it? Yes, this is Rich Take on Sports. I am your host, Richmond Weaver. I'm glad you're listening through whatever format that might be. And thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. We are back, back with you again, and this is episode number 13. Hope everyone had a great time celebrating July 4th and being able to celebrate the birth of this great nation. There's a lot to catch up on this week, but first, let's make sure we stay connected. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. And you know, I'm also working on getting the show plugged in on iHeartRadio, which is very exciting. So stay tuned for more information about that in the coming weeks. And to stay connected with us, you can follow us on Twitter at Rich Take Sports. So let's not waste any more time. Let's move to the Rich Spotlight with Connor Shaw. Shining brightly to share the stories of people in sports. This is the Rich Spotlight. In the Rich Spotlight this week is Connor Shaw, former quarterback at the University of South Carolina from 2010 through 2013, where he was the starting quarterback for the Gamecocks beginning in 2011. During that time, Connor threw for over 6,000 yards while completing over 65% of his passes and throwing for 56 touchdowns. He also rushed for over 1,600 yards and scored 17 rushing touchdowns while becoming the winningest quarterback in South Carolina. Carolina school history, posting a record of 27 wins and five losses, with an unbelievable win-loss record at home by never losing a home game, a 17-0 record. In his final college game in the Capital One Bowl, in a win against the University of Wisconsin, Connor threw three touchdowns, caught one touchdown pass, passed for over 300 yards, and was named the game's MVP. As he left the University of South Carolina, head coach Steve Spurrier quoted that Connor Shaw is the greatest quarterback in South Carolina school history. Connor then signed with the Cleveland Browns as an undrafted free agent and earned his first career NFL start in Week 17 of the 2014 NFL season against the Baltimore Ravens. In his second season with the Cleveland Browns, Browns, Connor tore multiple ligaments in his thumb during preseason and set out the season after undergoing surgery. He was then claimed off of waivers in July of 2016 by the Chicago Bears, but had to also sit out the 2016 season after being placed on injured reserve due to a broken leg. So let's welcome in Connor Shaw. Okay, Connor, thanks so much for joining me today. It is a pleasure having you in the Rich Spotlight today. Well, the pleasure's all mine. I appreciate you having me. Well, let's travel your history and walk us through. I know you come from a sports family, but mm -hmm. walk us through how you became involved in sports and what your childhood looked like within yeah. sports. Well, my family's very—I come from a very competitive athletic family. My mom and dad both played collegiately. Uh, my dad played at Western Carolina, and my mom played at North Georgia basketball. So, and then you know, my older brother, who has been sort of my mentor, hero, you know, along the line, same lines as my father. But 
I, I was born into it. My dad was a football coach. I was around it growing up. It's not like it was pushed on to me or anything. I grew up idolizing the football players that played for my dad in high school. And I pretty much copycatted everything my brother did. He's a couple of years older than me. We were ball boys for my dad. We were just around it 24-7. You know, when practice was over, you know, my, my pops would come back home and we'd get out in the yard, toss the ball around and play basketball, baseball, whatever it may be. But uh, it just seemed like looking back, we competed in everything we did. I mean, it could be, you know, who could get in the car and buckle the fastest. I mean, everything, you know, it was a lot of fun, but it's something that really influenced my childhood, not only myself, but my older brother, my little sister. And I think that competitive lifestyle has really tremendously helped me, not only on the field, but off the field, especially becoming a parent. Uh, it's just good to have the the competitiveness in you that's that's instilled at a young age. Now, you'd mentioned you played different sports. Now, were, did you play organized sports? I did. I did. I played football. Um, I started when I was six years old, played baseball, basketball. And uh, that's something that, you know, as a parent, and I could, if I could offer any advice to fellow parents, and I have these camps that I host, and they come and talk to me about it. And one thing I would say is let them play anything and everything they want. There's no need for a year-round sport, especially at a young age, even through high school. I, I stopped playing baseball and basketball when I uh, was recruited hard in football, and I knew that was going to be my ticket to college, and, and I knew I was going to play football collegiately. So that's when I stopped. But not only is it good for you athletically, I think it's really good for you socially as a kid. You know, if you're young and your parents are you're going through the camps all year long and it's just football, football, football or basketball, basketball, you have the AAU. There's so many things now where they create these tournaments in the summer, which just year round and that becomes almost their identity. And what happens you know, eventually it's, an, it's, it's a, they have a shelf life. Sports is a shelf life and inevitably they're going to stop playing. And what happens to them? Either they consider themselves a failure. You know, you don't want to have that one specific identity as, as sports. As, as good as sports has influence and can teach you life, life lessons, you want them to be well-rounded and play anything and everything. Just be competitive. Be a kid. You know what I mean? No, I agree with you 100%. So now, speaking of when you realized that football was going to be your sport that was in high school, mm -hmm. how did that come about? When Was there one particular day that you made the decision, I'm focusing just on football? You know what? I had a bit of an advantage. One, my dad being a coach. So he's been through the recruiting process on the coaching side. My brother was through as a prospect, you know, so he was recruited and I watched how that happened and, and how to be patient and when to make the, the right choice and, and to when to focus on one sport. And I enjoyed basketball as my sport, middle school and football. Like my brother and I, we were gung ho basketball and something about Friday nights, it just clicks. The first snap you take, everything else just kind of disappears just in lack of focus. But um, I think you know, I grew up a huge Florida Gator fan because of Coach Berger. And when he came knocking, that's kind of when I put everything else aside and said, you know what, this is this is the path I'm going to take. This is, you know, if Coach Berger is coming to see me, I think that I'm going to have a chance to play. So uh, that's when I started to focus on football. And now who did you look up to from a football standpoint? Yeah, well, I mean, in my era, you can't grow up and not like Brett Favre. And he was my hero. I loved watching him. Um you know, the kind of reckless abandon he had on the field and so tough and just found a way to win. And it was evident that he made other people around him better and, and, and the joy of football. And that's something that uh, I really enjoyed 
watching him. And and as I got older, when I got in high school and college, I studied a lot of Drew Brees, uh, similar height and very active. And it's something that even still, like he plays with a great base. It's just things that you pick up on on quarterbacks. And that's one guy that I've really honed in on on the offseason watching tape. Now, what about playing for your dad? What yeah. was that like? Oh, man, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I mean, I was truly blessed and fortunate to go through that experience. And um, it, at times, you know, it wasn't always fun, for sure. But there were so many learning opportunities for me. I, I remember one of my favorite memories after a Friday night, we would get back in late, whether it be a home game or away game. He would have his staff meeting, and he'd come back at 2, 2.30 in the morning. And I would stay up late, and I would watch the film with him. And it's just not even as a coach, more as a dad. You know, we wouldn't he wouldn't correct it. We would just have fun. Hey, good play here. Um, but I think, you know, being able to play for him helped me so much transition f- to play for Coach Spurrier. And I think they're very similar with uh, with their approach to the game. They're, you know, more perfectionists. They demand a lot out of you and they know exactly how to, to, to how to push and when to reel you back in, how to handle your players and. That's something that um, professionally, that just so many lessons that my father has taught taught me. And you know, one day when I'm done playing, maybe I get into coaching. There's I have that foundation where I've where I've nonsense as far back as I can remember. My dad coaching, so it was an incredible opportunity. Now, how was your relationship off the field with your dad? Oh man, we have my, my dad and I have a special relationship, no doubt. We I still talk to him several times a week. Very intense guy, very reserved. Um, a lot of like him. I'm a reserved guy that's yeah. when I speak, hopefully it, it has some importance to it. And I've I've kind of learned that from my father. And, and that's natural as a son, learning up to you, looking up to your dad. And my brother's the same way. We're all cut from the same cloth. And but uh off the field, it's we have a lot of fun. You know, a lot of people think that uh my dad is a serious person and the same as me, but behind the scenes we like to cut loose and have fun and and make some jokes and everything like that. So we're, uh, we, we love to have fun. You mentioned you were a fan of Florida Gators mm-hmm. and Steve Spurrier. So what was that like? You're going through the recruiting process, and yeah. then the day you get the, the well, call was, from <laughs> Coach Spurrier. Yeah, well, so I'm a Gator pretty much since I can remember seven, eight years old in the midst of Bulldog country in Georgia. So I think I just like to be different. You know what I mean? I, I, of course, I loved watching Coach Spurrier on the sidelines, but there were so many— Georgia fans that I, I was like, you know what, I'm going to be different. I want to mm-hmm. stick out a little bit. And I think that's kind of where it originated from. And it was so surreal for him to come recruit me. Never would I imagine at a younger age, even playing in high school, that uh, the, the coach that I've idolized for so long, that I would have a chance to play for him. So uh, I knew when he offered then and there, that wrapped it up for me. I didn't commit on the spot. It was soon soon after that. But I knew that uh, I was uh, headed to go play for the HPC. So now, what about the transition from high school where you play for your dad, now you're at South Carolina, and it's yeah. a different level. What sure was that is. like? Well, it was um, very unique for me because I didn't have a freshman class that I came when, came in with. It was myself because I graduated early, enrolled in January. That's right. And so why did you decide to enroll early and leave high school? Yeah, well, you know, my dad offered that advice when I was younger in high school that uh, if I ever had a chance to, to go ahead and load up your classes so I could go compete at an early, um, earlier than the regular freshman class. Or, and I just knew there was going to be a, a situation um, that I could come in and compete, not necessarily for a starter right away, but uh, maybe as a backup. But I thought it was just good to go in and 
and get the offense under my belt. It was definitely football motivated uh, why I graduated early. And but it was difficult. I, I, I would be lying if I say it wasn't. And especially they came off um, a brutal loss to UConn in the bowl game. So I sat through those meetings and over and over again. And and I, I heard, you know, Coach Spurrier have some choice words to his quarterbacks. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, what have I gotten myself into? I'm, I'm supposed to be sitting in third period right now waiting for my lunch break. And But no, it was um, – I look back and it was the – one of the best moves I've made um, earlier in, in my career. Okay, so no regrets, no regrets for leaving high school. No, okay. absolutely not. It's, it's something that helped me tremendously. It's learning the playbook and getting used to the speed of the game and being away from from family and learning how to manage your time. Kind of baptism by fire. You just kind of throw it in there and see how it see how you float, and it worked out for me. What was your mindset going in? You knew you were going to be competing mm-hmm. for a starting job, but what's that mindset like? You made it look easy becoming the winningest quarterback in <laughs> South Carolina history, but yeah. what was that grind like? And did you have set expectations? I want to be a starter by this date. You know what? No, I didn't. I had visions. I had goals, but it wasn't, hey, by my sophomore year, I'm going to be a starting quarterback. It was day by day, just trying to stay in the moment. I'm going to compete my tail off every single day, and I'm going to do it the right way. And when the time happens, when my number's called on, I'll be ready because that's the kind of approach I've had. And that's the kind of approach that I've had my entire career. Uh, I've tried to anyways through college, NFL, and it's it's not easy. And, you know, looking back, you said, you know, winning as quarterback, and I'm very proud of the things that we accomplished, but it's definitely a we thing. Yeah, There's so many players that, I mean, we had – we had a loaded team now. We, I had yes, some you help. did. <laughs> I definitely had some help. Um, and they're scattered around the NFL, and I'm so proud of my, my teammates. And yeah. But it, it was a lot of fun, And but it was a grind. I mean, no no success comes from just a walk in the park. You know, it originated from somewhere, and the coaches did a great job of getting the right players in the building and the camaraderie that we had. Such from a, a young, from the freshman class that we had, I mean, we had a lot of young talent that – that molded and bonded together and, and grew up. And I think that's a similar to what's going on at South Carolina right now. You have younger players. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, my dad always said, you know, puppies grow up, you know. So, and they'll grow up and, and they'll be a force to be reckoned with sooner than later, um, I hope. And I believe that. Now, a quarterback obviously is inherently a leader of the team. Is that something that you've always embraced, being a leader? Uh, sure. And... I'm not very a vocal guy, so I think a lot of that comes from I try to set about my work ethic, um, doing the right things all the time, whether it be in the classroom, off the field, on the field, um, in the locker room, just being a person that people could rely on and that they know what they're going to get from me. That I'm not going to be an inconsistent worker. That I'm I'm going to I'm going to bust it every day and and I'm going to give it all I have every single day. And I think that rubs off, especially as a quarterback. Like you said, you have to naturally you have leadership qualities and people will naturally look to you because you're the quarterback. And, and so I think if you can set it the right way, as far as your work ethic and the things your applied faith and mm-hmm. on the field, I just think that they naturally will, you can bring them up. And you're part of the South Carolina team that goes on a great run and on campus, you're becoming a star. How did you handle being a star on campus. I I just, How did you stay grounded? Well, you know, I think my mental mindset was just to simplify things, to not get caught up in the noise, to, you know, don't read articles, don't 
pay attention to what's going on in, in the media outlets and and just staying focused. And you know what? Coach Bird did a great job with that with the players. He made sure that he kept his players grounded in the right way and made sure that they stayed focused and to not pay attention to the noise. And that's something that my father always taught me as well. And I think with that just simplicity mindset, it kind of helps to block out everything else and just focus on what you have to do. And speaking of Coach Spurrier, he is quoted as saying that Connor Shaw is the greatest quarterback in South Carolina school history. So how does that make you feel when you hear somebody like Steve Spurrier say that about you? Well, I think that's the biggest thing is it's coming from Coach Spurrier, someone that I've idolized since I was a little kid. And it's I greatly appreciate the comments that he's made. And I know that his his word has carried a lot of influence on, my, on myself as far as transitioning the NFL. But like I said, we accomplished a lot of things, but I had a lot of help. And it doesn't all fall on me. The greatest quarterback conversation that I really don't pay too much attention to. We did well while I was there, and that's because of the group that we had there, the team that we had. And that's that's the beauty about football. And I think, you know, the, the trend is with, with coaches and players, companies, corporations, is to know your why. And I think a big thing for me is reflecting the past few years of trying to understand my why is being a part of something bigger than myself. And I've been a part of a team since everyone six years old. And there's just something about being able to lean on your teammate, for them to hold you accountable, vice versa. Uh, going through the grind together, suffering together, having success together, struggles. I mean, team is such a strong, powerful word. And I think a lot of people uh, sometimes take that for granted. And I think a lot of you see it more and more with players that, that that's all I've known and they branch out when they're done playing and have such a hard time of being away from that. And I don't think it's. I think a lot of it's because if they've been around the game, they miss the game. They miss playing on Friday, Saturday, Sundays. But I think a lot of it is the grind, being around the players yeah. in the locker room, the brotherhood that you have, the friendships that you make. And I think that's what is the, the void that they miss sometimes when you're done playing. And that, that's a big part of my why. I'm a big believer in knowing mm-hmm. the why as well. Now, what about the transition of now not playing for your dad, where you had a unique bond, it's your dad, and now you're mm-hmm. on your own, so to speak, and how was that? Well, you know what? It never felt like I was on my own. I always called him after practices. I would sometimes send video clips. I still do um, of practices and still get his perspective and input. Um, and same with my brother. He's He's built his resume in the coaching, you know, collegiately, high school, and in playing. They, they have a broad knowledge of the game. So I never felt like, you know, and it's, and plus Coach Spurry and Coach Coach Shaw, my dad, uh, are very similar. <laughs> yeah. So at, at times it almost felt like that I was playing for the same guy. So it's, it was always familiar to me. Yeah. And how, so how was that playing for Coach Spurrier? Oh, it was incredible. It times button heads, but I think that's part of it. And so what, when would you guys butt heads? Give me some examples. Oh, well, I mean, in the meeting room, he always, Coach Barrett wasn't a guy that would like, you know, grab your face mask and and curse you. In fact, he was a big believer on staying clean on the field. He didn't have a lot of curse words, you know, and, but there were some sarcastic comments, you know, the, oh, okay, I'll just find someone else who can, you know, (laughs) and he just knew exactly what to say to light my fire and to bring it more the next day. And having success with him is something that I'll cherish forever because not only did I grow up watching him play and and being able to play for him, but I've witnessed firsthand when he took over to South Carolina, the investment that he put in to make South Carolina great, the, the program great. And 
that was starving for success. And so I have so much respect for him in that capacity of what he did for this program and not only for the program, but for myself. So it was, um, it was an incredible experience playing for Coach Burrier. Now you start playing in some of these big games as South Carolina becomes ranked and Obviously, one of the big games is the in-state rival with Clemson. But describe just some of the feelings that you went through playing in these big stadiums, uh, you know, Georgia, you know, mm-hmm. all of those type of situations. Were you ever nervous? Sure. I mean, I, I was and anxious, scared. I was I scared is definitely not the word. Nervous a little bit, especially earlier in my career when I had the growing pains, you know, my sophomore year where— we went to Tennessee and Mississippi State, you know, when I first took over. But that's why you play, right, is for those yeah. big stage moments when you're going to LSU and you're playing in the swamp and going to Georgia. But um, no better place than here at Williams-Brice, man. That, they packed that place out no matter what, no matter what's your record. And when we were good, that place was rocking. <laughs> and um, it's funny because, you know, you cross paths with players that you've played with are against in the NFL, and they always make a comment about williams Bryce. I'm telling you, I'm glad I don't have to go back there. So, uh, And even Death Valley here in Clemson. and yeah. But that's that's why you play the game. And sure, I was yeah. nervous a little bit. But, you but know, did you have extra motivation on the road versus playing at home? You know what? I struggled on the road a lot early in my career. And I made it a point of emphasis going into my senior year is come and I don't know exactly when the defining moment was for me playing on the road. But I think you just have to, well, after the first snap, it all disappears anyways, right? But leading up to the moment, I think you just have to don't make the game bigger than it is. It doesn't matter where you play. It could be in the back of a a parking lot. You're playing the game and it's the same rules and it makes it more fun, the the bigger the stage, crowd, the noise. But um, if you just hone in and like I said earlier, just kind of simplify it, you just get back to playing football. Some of those games you might have struggled. Did it ever happen where the defense makes a play and that gets you out of your struggle? Just the oh, the yeah. change of you know how quickly the momentum changes. Did that help sure. you? Well, I can go, but there's so many moments when I when our offense and myself was going through the growing pains. Um, my, you know, 2011, early 2012, our defense was uh, very stout and they made up for a lot of mistakes that we made on offense and. And that helped us tremendously. And that's something that I knew going into Saturdays is, hey, you have a strong defense behind you. You take care of the football. You manage the game. And eventually, when I became on, when I found my identity as a quarterback and our offense found an identity, that's when you can make make the next step forward. But uh, when I first started, I knew I could rely on my defense. And and that never changed throughout my career. So speaking of your identities, describe Mm -hmm. what it is that, you feel your identity as a quarterback is? Well, when I was younger, there's a lot of uncertainty. You're still learning the playbook, learning when to check off things, learning the intent of play calling, what the defenses are trying to do to you, you know, situational football. And it's just something that you learn more and more with experience. And so my certain identity, I mean, I'm obviously a guy that can extend plays, but I, I've always been taught my entire life. My dad made it a point of emphasis. Coach Burrier did is take care of the football. And if you limit turnovers, obviously you have a better chance of winning the football game. And, and holding on to the football, not necessarily, you know, you know, three and outs or going to score quick. Uh, of course, you're trying to score, you know, at will. But there's something to be said for, for holding on to the football possession of the game. And especially, uh, well, it just determines who you're playing more and more. But I never took offense to the to the term uh, manage a quarterback manager, a game manager, you know what I mean? Because that means I'm playing smart. 
I know exactly what's going on, almost as like a coach mindset. Uh, so I've kind of started there, laid that foundation and just built on top of that. When does it really, the fire of making it into the NFL, when does that kick in for you? Was that one of a dream that you had in high school or is it really in college that it really uh, started to build? It was, it was always a dream of mine. Now, I didn't sit here in high school and was like, hey, one day I'm going to go play in the NFL. I always try to stay in the moment. It was, uh, you know, what can I do now? But I think after my senior, mid-senior year is when it kind of dawned on me that I was having a pretty solid year and that if I could just stay healthy and we could finish strong, that there could be some possibilities that I could go play on the next level. And and going undrafted kind of stoked my fire a little bit. And I think uh, playing on your chip, playing with a chip on your shoulder is, is a little too exhausted. I mean, I, I don't ever want to be categorized as a guy who, hey, this guy, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. I want to be a dude that has the same approach no matter what. I'm going to have the same fire, whether if I'm a backup, if I'm a starter. I just want to have the the same mindset, and and I think that's kind of helped me uh, throughout my career. Speaking of being undrafted, what's that process like in terms of what team will sign you as an undrafted free agent? Is it do you have more of a, a choice, or is it just select teams that have well, expressed interest? A little interest? bit of both. They okay. they will express interest, and if you have multiple teams, that's when you can kind of choose where you want to go. And uh, Cleveland was a good fit for me. I knew that when Johnny was going in there that the offense was going to change and mold around him a little bit. And we had similarities on the field. And uh, it ended up working out. I, I was able to have a start under my belt my rookie year, Week 17 versus Baltimore. And um, I have good memories in Cleveland. So, But it was um, it definitely going undrafted. You naturally, like I said earlier, it's the, the road more traveled. And you just have to adopt that mindset. And understand that there's not going to be opportunities given to you every single day like other drafted players, high drafted players. and But you can't let that discourage you. And you just have to, to have clarity on your goal and find a way to go do it. So describe some of the most glaring differences that you saw from college to the NFL that you were like, wow, this mm-hmm. is the NFL. This is different. Well, a lot of people assume that it's bigger, faster, stronger, and it is. But the SEC is just a mini pool of the NFL. I mean, it's a lot of similarities. I think the biggest thing is the learning curve, especially with quarterbacks coming from no-huddle situations that you're signaling in. You're having to spit out two words at the line of scrimmage, and that's where college is going towards more and more. They're adopting that style of play. And then the transition to the NFL is huddle every play, you know, sometimes I never got under center. Some of these quarterbacks have never taken a snap under center. And then you have 17, 18 where play calls and and it's coming in and it happens very fast. And so learning curve is the biggest thing. And of course, you're playing against veterans who've been in the game for seven, eight years and you're playing to catch up a little bit. And they've seen everything under the sun when it comes to the game and, and know how to be a pro. So I think, you know, coming in, if you can latch on to a guy in that locker room that's, you know, been through that type of grind and has had success and has the ultimate professional, which I'm fortunate to have had, you just kind of learn from them. And so who are some of those guys that you've been able to latch on to? Yeah, well, I came my rookie year. um, I came in, I sat down in my locker first day, and Brian Hoyer came and sat right next to me, undrafted guy. And he was like, you know what? You know, I found myself in in familiar situation that you are in now and kind of showed me the way. And and I kind of – I watched him my rookie year and – Carlos Dansby on the other side of the, on the ball, and there's just Andrew Hawkins, Miles Austin, 
I mean, Joe Thomas, there's so many guys. Um, and then in Chicago, uh, being with Jay for a year, it helped me a lot. So I think no more than Josh McCown on and off the field. I mean, the guy is just the ultimate dad, husband, player, human being, Christian. Uh, he's taught me so many different things. I feel in debt to him. He's helped me in my life so much. And describe that day that you get your first start in the NFL against the Ravens and oh, what that was like. And yeah. you didn't come out of that game unscathed. I remember after that Sunday, um, we, we had just finished up playing the Panthers and Johnny goes down with like a torn hamstring and Brian gets whacked. And I'm I'm not sure going to the next week if, if he's going to be able to play or not. And he's hitting free agency. I just don't know. Well, Monday morning, Brian gives me a call and it's like, hey, you know, I can't lift my shoulder be prepared to, to go into play. So as soon as I got the call, I, I go in there uh, into, into the office, the facility, and start prepping, talk to the coaches, and, and knew that there was a good chance to start that week. And it was actually the Christmas week leading up to it. So, you know, on Christmas Day, we actually had grandparents in Canton, and my family went up there, and I stayed back and was just grinding away. And and it was just a really cool experience and opportunity opportunity for me on that Sunday uh, versus Baltimore. Obviously, it's not the result that I wanted, but uh, it was a learning experience, something I could build on. And and I got to tell you, once you get the taste of being a starter, you just want more and more. And you know you know what it takes to to win to win on Sundays, and it's extremely hard. And what it takes to prepare and and being a guy being around guys like Josh and Jay and Brian, they just teach you how to how to how to do that. And but once you get the the taste of it. You want more and more, and it's been it's been um, a kind of a humbling experience the past couple of years with the injuries. But I've I've stayed on task, and hopefully I'll get back to to being a starter one day. Yeah, and speaking of the injuries, I mean you missed you know a whole season basically, mm -hmm. you know, with the injury. How does that affect your mindset and your confidence? Yeah, you know, having to go battle injuries like that. Sure. Well, after my rookie year, you know, I, I had some some confidence and some. Um, you know, going into the next year, and then I, I tear my thumb in preseason in Cleveland, so I got IR IR that entire year. Um, put myself in a position where you know I attack my rehab. I'm going through OTAs. I'm having a really good camp, and then um, I get hurt. I break my leg again in preseason. Yeah. So I think it's just you know I don't want to be a product of circumstances, and I think it, there's times where I have to remind myself, especially this past season, where you know I didn't think. There was thoughts in my head that I wasn't going to play anymore. That was my immediate thought when I saw my leg was kind of, you know, tilted the other way. And uh, but going back, I, I, I don't want to be a product of circumstances. And, I, you know, I want to be a product of perseverance and hard work. I want my kids to know what that looks like. I want my teammates to understand that this guy is going to do everything he can to can to persevere through adversity. And I think the injuries have taught me a valuable lesson in that and, and teaching, me how to, teaching me how to persevere through those. Um, it's not letting the uncontrollable control me. And injuries are part of the game. Obviously, I can't control what happens on the field when, when you get hurt. But the response after that kind of defines leading into the next moment. And so I attacked my rehab once again, put myself in a position where I, I competed well in OTAs and, you know, hopefully stay healthy this time around. Now, what is it like Chicago versus Cleveland in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, Chicago is a big city, sure. major media outlet, a lot of, you know, attention towards the quarterback position because of mm -hmm. Jay Cutler and then him retiring and, and then drafting Mitch Trubisky. So what differences have you seen between Cleveland and Chicago so far? 
Well, I, it's very familiar and very similar with both uncertainty at quarterback for a while, um, with the except, exception of Jay. But even times with that, you know, a lot of people didn't enjoy Jay being a quarterback in Chicago. I was one of those guys that really enjoyed Jay, and I, I thought he was a, a great professional and he'll do great in his next line of work. But very similar. Of course, you had the same weather. Both franchises were have, have struggled recently. And so you're just trying to find the way to get over the hump and trying to get the right guys in the building. And you've had, you know, fluid head coaches and GMs. And, and so very similar. I think uh, you're saying with Chicago being a huge city and, and major news outlets, clear the mechanism is, is for the love of the game, the baseball, Kevin Costner. That's something that my mom always says. She loved the, the movie and she said that, uh, you know, clear the mechanism, Connor. Focus on what you can, block out the noise, and everything else will take care of itself. So now, speaking of just uncertainty and you're in this grind, how is that from a family perspective? You've got two kids and Mm -hmm. your wife, Molly. What does that look like just from the uncertainty from her side? And you're trying to provide for your family. That's right. And and my wife is such a strong woman. I think any uh, football wife, whether it be coach or player, you know, it just takes a strong woman because there's so much uncertainty and there's so much time away and they just have to understand the investment. And they do. And my wife does. And uh, she does uh, an awesome job with balancing that lifestyle and helps me so much. She's my rock here. And and, and her perspective that she gives me has influenced me in so many different ways. But it, it can be a struggle. And it is a struggle. I'm, I'm very family driven and being away from them, you know, in OTAs, they stayed here. So I was you know, two and a half months away from my family, kind of back and forth. But, um, you know, I go back to my why. That's part of it. You know, I want them to understand what hard work looks like. And this is my platform to show them. I think with having a son now, it uh, makes me reflect on my childhood, being around football so much. And I think it's just a really cool and, and such a blessing that I'm able to to play a game as a player in the NFL, the big stage, and have my son come out in the field a little bit. And it's just a really rewarding experience. And and hopefully that they'll be able to reflect back on one day and it's like, hey, you know, this, that was a cool time in my life. And it sure is for me. And But, yeah, I'm, I'm a family-driven person. And, and so now in the summer, I'm totally devoted, 100%, soaking up with them, being a father. And it's a lot of fun right now. I'm having, having a blast with it. What about the mindset or just the thought process, knowing that at some point there will be an end of your playing days, whatever that might look like? Mm-hmm. And um, I do think you're going to be playing for for a while. Um, just that. you've got that grit and you've got that grind. And but you'd mentioned coaching. Mm-hmm. Is that something <clears throat> that you might explore after your playing days, or what are some of the other things that you know what? you've I, thought about, or yeah. have you really? Of course, naturally, there's things in the back of my mind that you think about, and. For my entire life, I felt that I would be a good coach and coaching, it would be the next move when I hang it up. But I'm not so sure about that anymore. We'll see. I know this for, for certain, though, is that especially in this in this league, that you can't have one foot in, one foot out. And it's good to have a vision of or a idea of what you want to do. But the moment where you stop being invested in what you're doing completely, 100%, and start entertaining the thought of something else, you're sabotaging yourself. And I would be doing a disservice to myself if I thought about that kind of stuff. And But I am human. I mean, I, I know that there's a shelf life, and especially when you're released twice and you know it's inevitable, 
at some point. But as for now, I'm going to continue training and I'm going to live out my dream as how I know how. And that's compete and give it all I have. And uh, some of the other things that I know that you're involved in, and that's trying to give back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, through Dan Everett and Everett Sports yeah. Marketing and the football camps, why is that so important to you? Yeah, well, I think as a as a Christian, one of the huge value is serving others. And um, I think me and my wife have tried to do that in the past several years. And it's kind of slowed down a little bit with having kids and so much focus goes to them. But out of college and in college, I worked closely with Children's Chance, Children's Chance in Columbia, which is pedi- pediatric cancer. And uh, these youth camps uh, for underprivileged kids to come out and you see how, how it just lights up their day. And it's so much fun being around them on the field. And you can just see how much joy they're having is contagious. And so it's very rewarding more than anything is to give back. And I'm sure you understand that. So uh, we have a lot of fun. Well, Connor, as, as we're wrapping up here, just, you know, we've talked a lot of different things and I greatly appreciate all that you've been able to share with us. But if you can wrap things up in terms of when you look back at your whole career so far and you're still a future ahead of you, but what has sports meant to you? Well, sports, I mean, it's been so closely relative to my life since I was a kid. It's all I've known pretty much. And I definitely don't want that to find me. I don't want to be known as Connor Shaw, the football player. I want to be known as a, as a, a teammate that was there for them, that you know, was the epitome of hard work um, and, and hard work wears many different hats. It doesn't have to be on the football field, but someone who is as humble and genuine and uh, doesn't let outside circumstances waver them in their faith. Uh, I, I want to be concrete uh, and, and know exactly who I am and have clarity of what my what I want my family to be, who I want to be as a person, as a Christian husband, father. So, I really haven't had time to reflect on everything I've done career-wise. I think that'll naturally come when I'm done playing. But for now, it's on to the next. The grind continues for you, right? Yes, sir. (laughs) I understand. Well, you're very grounded, and I can tell that you take a lot of advice and take heed to that. So with that said, I always ask our guests some words of wisdom. And what's some words of wisdom that you would like to share? I think the greatest advice that I can give— to youth uh, who are going growing up in sports, who has an outlet um, and has high goals and expectations, and that's a good, that's a great thing. But never to get ahead of yourself. And what I mean is, we hit it a little bit is is staying concrete in the moment. It's really good to have visions, good to have goals, but the moment where you kind of start getting ahead of yourself, you start creating sometimes negative thoughts. And I, I had to remind myself this when I just got released and, and brought back. Hey, what's going to happen in camp? Is it inevitable that I'm going to be released? You just can't do that to yourself. And guys that want to play college ball, guys that want to go play NFL, do what you can for your high school team. As you improve, your team improves. And if you stay in the moment and know your vision, know your goals, now go do it day by day, I think the rest will take care of itself. And you'll have a bright future if you have that kind of mindset and and block out the noise and have a, a simple mindset to where, hey, I'm going to be the dude that goes out there no matter what and gives it my all 
and I know the rest will take care of itself. Well said, sir. Again, Connor, thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. And I would have to say, I do remember that as a Clemson grad, (laughs) I was very happy when you graduated. Well, I can say the same about Deshaun Watson. (laughs) That's right. Well, again, Connor, thank you for your time. And I'm definitely looking forward to following your career. Thank you, Richmond. Now, there's a guy that just has it. It might be hard to define at times, but whatever it is, Connor definitely has it. And he might not be the most talented guy, but you can just hear the maturity in his voice. I know I was nowhere near that mature at the age of 25. And there's definitely a reason why Steve Spurrier said those things about Connor being the greatest quarterback in South Carolina school history. He's just simply a winner. And it's more than just the stats, but he did put those up as well. It's about his character and his ability to lead others. And that's one of the things that continue to shine through with Connor is that he has those traits of a true leader. And I know Coach Spurrier and I are not the only ones that think highly of him. And and I definitely was not lying when I said I was happy to see him graduate. Let's hear from another coach that was happy for Connor to graduate as well, but gave him complete respect. And this is after Connor's final regular season game as a Gamecock when he finished out his career never losing at home, Remember, 17-0 at home, and also never losing to his in-state rival, my alma mater, Clemson. Here's Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney. Connor Shaw played tremendous. Uh, just, just tremendous. What a, what a, what a, what a great football player he is. Uh, I have all the respect in the world for Connor Shaw. Uh, he's a great winner. There's a reason why they're undefeated here at home. There's a reason why he never lost a game here at home. Uh, he's a, he's a tremendous competitor, and uh, I have a lot of respect for him. That says a lot about who Connor Shaw is and just reinforces what we learned about him and his journey. Now that wraps up episode 13. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Takes Sports. Thanks for listening.